No my howdy my to the Green Tea Podcast. My name is Chloe Swarbrick. I am a Green MP based in Auckland Central. And the name of this podcast is Green Tea because I was trying really hard to come up with a name for a podcast. And uh, I came across the Young Greens Facebook page where they were having yarns about things associated to politics. And Green Tea was what they were calling them. So I have absolutely stolen this name. But uh, each episode throughout this podcast, I'll be having an energizing cordial. Uh, energizing is the terminology that Bonnie, my intern, has inserted into this bio. Um, but I probably, uh, it'll be as energizing as I can make it uh, with philanthropists, journalists, etc. Uh, but basically just genuinely inspiring individuals. Uh, and hopefully it'll wake us up a bit, uh, the Woke Brigade, uh, to what is happening around the world and what we might do to take responsibility and to take action for those issues. Thank you for talking to me today, Helen. Um, I am obviously really fascinated with the potential that we have in New Zealand right now where we're at a crossroads and we can continue down the path of kind of broken war on drugs approach uh, or we can take the path of evidence-based, common sense, pragmatic reform to reduce harm. Um, and on that point, there are three major issues that are coming up this year in particular, but also moving in throughout the rest of this term of uh, the synthetics crisis, um, which is obviously devastating. The chief coroner has reported that there are 40 to 45 deaths that we can attribute in the past year to the use and consumption of synthetics. Uh, there's the medicinal cannabis legislation, uh, which all parties in Parliament are now on board with. It's no longer a debate of whether, it's how. Uh, and finally, the referendum for legalisation of cannabis. Uh, where do you think New Zealand is at right now? Well, firstly, we are behind. Mm -hmm. Other countries like-minded with us are going further and faster on the evidence-informed policy. Look at Canada, which mm -hmm. has just legalised mm -hmm. uh, the supply and the possession of, of cannabis. So let's learn from a very close friend like Canada. Uruguay did it before them. Yep. Uh, obviously, some states in the US as well. Secondly, on medicinal cannabis, we are behind. Mm -hmm. The United Kingdom has just mm -hmm. uh, op opened up on this. So many states in the US and elsewhere. And people who have chronic pain and needs should be able to access cannabis for the relief that they need. Now, the third issue is, of course, the other drugs, yeah. which sometimes make some people nervous. What I am for is New Zealand showing its traditional pragmatism when faced with issues. Uh, if we go back to the HIV response, we innovated with the world's first needle exchange scheme, yeah. but we haven't had a significant innovation since then. And it was 87. This is more than 30 years yeah. ago. And now, now we're seeing uh, safe consumption spaces in Sydney and Melbourne. We're mm -hmm. seeing them through the Canadian cities. We're mm -hmm. obviously seeing them in Switzerland, Portugal, Netherlands, mm -hmm. Norway. You name it, we are behind. Mm -hmm. And our people are dying because mm -hmm. we're behind. That is not acceptable to me. So I believe that we need massive investment in harm reduction measures. We need safe consumption spaces. We need drug testing. We need naloxone made available mm -hmm. where it's needed. We need to get that, the people off the street supply, yeah. which can be so risky, and into 
a, a safe space where they're not going to die. Mm. So the debate seems to currently, at the very least in the New Zealand context, be centering around how we balance punishment. Uh, so the people who are behaving as criminals and obviously doling this stuff out without any consideration of the harm that they may be causing in communities versus that harm reduction approach. And I think most people can empathise with the need for harm reduction and not criminalising users. But the focus still, for some reason, seems to be about ratcheting up penalties, not necessarily about investing in that harm reduction. How do you see a way forward in this dialogue? I well, mean, you've got the proposal around regulation, for example. I, I don't think ratcheting up the penalties does any good at all. It's a continuation of the failed prohibitionist approach. What I would be looking for, ideally, is decriminalisation for personal possession and use uh, and a regulation of supply. And regulation can take many forms. It could be very heavy that, uh, for example, heroin or whatever is only available on on prescription, as, mm -hmm. as, in, uh, as in Switzerland. But I think the key thing is to bring people into safe spaces mm -hmm. where they know that what they're using is, is not going to, to kill them, uh, that there's support for them. And once you get people into a safe space, you can start other conversations about what their needs are. My impression in New Zealand is that the profile of the people who are dying from this so-called synthetic uh, cannabis uh, are very marginalised people, the homeless that we're stepping over on Courtney mm -hmm. Place or Queen Street, mm -hmm. uh, people who have really nothing left in their lives. Mm. Now, we have to address a whole lot of issues. Uh, the supply of of uh, very uh, contaminated drugs, similar as one issue, so is their homelessness, so is their joblessness, mm. so uh, in some cases their mental health issues. We need wraparound services yeah. which can reach people to meet the variety of needs they have. Mm. And I think you can kind of as well trace the chronology of how these substances got so dangerous with that prohibitionist type of model, right? Yes. And particularly when it comes to the so-called synthetic cannabis. It's obviously yes. not cannabis, uh, mm. but it does, it does have effects on the cannabinoid oil system. Mm. Mm. Uh, the uh, kind of way that the chemicals have ended up being um, cut down and made cheaper mm. and nasty year is kind of akin to the prohibitionist model around alcohol that we saw 100, mm. 150 odd years ago. Mm. Uh, so speaking to moving away from prohibition and I guess the political willpower, political will is pretty much mm. always based mm. on what's happening in the public arena. Mm. How do you think that we move forward that conversation with the New Zealand public? So again, with a pragmatic approach, I think uh, that it's entirely possible uh, that we can have cannabis legalisation and regulation and a referendum backing that. It's There's obviously a will across all parties to have medicinal cannabis if people can only sort out the differences around how, how it's going to be supplied. I think on the other issues, I would go for a very pragmatic approach in the first instance, which is to enable people to come into a safe space, have access, perhaps on some prescription uh, uh, basis, whether it's to some kind of pep pill or what, whatever, but basically get people in off the streets and offer a safe environment for them where we can begin a range of other conversations. I'd be very pragmatic about it. The ideal would be to go to full decriminalisation and, and regulation, but it may be several steps to get to that. Portugal has not yet regulated, mm. so people are still sourcing supply mm -hmm. uh, from, from criminals. But my desire is to get it out of the hands of criminals and for states to recognise their responsibility to regulate for goods which are potentially harmful. We regulate guns, we regulate tobacco, we regulate alcohol, cars. we regulate road safety and cars, we regulate all sorts of things. But because 
of these really most unfortunate UN drug conventions, yeah. which pronounce drugs to be evil mm -hmm. and mandate a prohibitionist approach, mm -hmm. uh, we have not had enough countries mm. innovating in ways which are based on evidence on drug policy. So speaking to those UN conventions, because those mm. are obviously something which mm. New Zealand has signed up to, and you've been close to the action mm. at the UNDP, mm. and as I believe mm. the third most powerful person in the world at one time, uh, how do we go about uh, reconciling that? Mm. Well, uh, some countries like Canada have simply given up trying to yeah. reconcile with the conventions. Mm -hmm. They say, well, we're respectfully not, not compliant mm -hmm. because what these conventions appear to prescribe is not what we think is the way to go. So, mm. so and not what the evidence shows either. It's not what the evidence shows. So over time, of course, if if the law is an ass, mm. more and more people ignore it. If mm. the conventions are an ass, more and more will ignore it. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, of course, the conventions need to be rewritten. But there are very powerful yeah. geopolitical forces against that. Not least, uh, you know, one thing that the United States, Russia, and Iran and all agree on is they like the conventions of the hardline approach. So uh, next March there will be a meeting in Vienna of the Commission on Narcotic Drugs. Uh, it it may not be able to reach any outcome as well at all because there are reform-minded countries, and I hope New Zealand will show as well. <laughs> so that raises another question, which is you're speaking to there being forces against this move towards regulation. Who benefits from a prohibitionist-based model? People who benefit from prohibition are criminals mm -hmm. because they control the trade. Yeah. If it's not a legal trade, uh, it's going to go to the hands of criminals. Now, the, the prohibitionist approach said, you know, the aim must be to eliminate the use and supply of these drugs. Dream on. Mm. That's what they said with prohibition of alcohol. Mm. It just meant that more dangerous stills and brews were concocted. Mm. So in the end, prohibition was thrown out and they went back to regulation. Mm. This is the way we have to go with drugs. We have to regulate mm. in the public interest. Mm. Now, reflecting on New Zealand's place, not just in the rest of the world, but kind of where we are politically in the mood here, mm. you're obviously back now mm. and you were mm. our Prime Minister for about a decade. Mm. How do you think that public opinion has changed in that time with regards to uh, drugs? I mean, we've seen the increasing prevalence of synthetics. And methamphetamine is still mm. a problem. It was a problem 10 mm. odd years ago. Mm. Where are we at now? Well, I think on on cannabis, we probably have a majority of the population under the age of 75 who know it's been around a long time and, and you know, frankly, is being used as yeah. some people would use a, a, a beer or a whiskey. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I'm forecasting a positive outcome mm. to a referendum. Yeah. It will need to be well prepared. Ideally, yeah. there would be legislation passed so people know what they're, they're voting on. That's mm -hmm. the Drug Foundation position, and, I, and I, I support that. I think on medicinal cannabis, uh, the uh, public has been well ahead of the of the parliament, mm. but the parliament is getting there. It's just a, a question of, of refining the uh, areas of difference and, and, and reconciling them. On the other drugs, in the end, I think Kiwis are pragmatic. I think if we went for a sort of massive service-based approach, harm reduction, safe consumption spaces, people not dying, mm. uh, that is the answer. It is not the answer to classify mm. these drugs as class A, which then criminalises the user. Mm. No, no, we need a strong public health 
response. Mm. With regard to safe spaces in particular, I think that there's uh, we can draw a parallel between what happened around 2014 after the passage unanimously in the House of the Psychoactive Substances mm. Act. So that act uh, created an interim temporary mm. licensing scheme for all substances that hadn't mm. been complained about yet. Mm. But the issue is that the problem went from being uh, somewhat ubiquitous to all of a sudden very opaque because there are regulations around who could access them and where they could buy them. And that meant that there were all of a sudden lines around corners with the people who were using these drugs in the communities. And communities obviously became quite shocked by that. Uh, with the appearance or potential of the appearance of places like safe spaces for people to utilise drugs to access help, do you think that there would be some kind of similar moral panic, for lack of a better word, well, with regard might, to it being visible? There might be a bit, but then people queue to get in the city mission in the morning too. Yeah. They queue to get into the emergency shelter in a church hall at night. Yes, you may see this, but this is the reality of our society, and mm. I think it should cause us then to look at why are people in, in this position? Yeah. Is, it, is it because they're homeless? Is it because they had a, an issue that was, was never dealt with? You mm. know, we're, we're compassionate people. We're not bad people. Mm. We want to see people able to reach their potential and, have, and not fall below a line. And mm. too many of our citizens have fallen below a line. So mm. that's what we need to address. How do we get them back up above that poverty line and in control of their destiny? Mm. And I presume that's the irony, right, is that there's almost this line of thinking that if we had to take this issue mm. out of the shadows, all of a sudden mm. we have mm. chaos. But we currently have chaos. It's just that it would be more visible and yes. we're able to create some sense of order in there mm. by way of regulation. Yes, we, we have deaths now because we haven't provided uh, a way for people with many needs to mm. get the support that they need. So it's always better to bring a problem out into the open. It may be, mean there's a queue for a safe consumption space, which may mean there need to be more safe consumption spaces. But let's deal with the reality and not try and push it under a carpet. And just finally, Helen, what would you say yeah. the people who um, kind of decry or put out mm. there, you know, think of the children? Well, I do think of the children because uh, people's uh, parents are dying, so they're not there for, for them. I think with regulation, uh, as with tobacco and alcohol, you always say uh, absolutely you know, no sale or availability to, to underage. Uh, you have responsible uh, regulation, but mm -hmm. it is indeed thinking about the children. Let's think about the children of the women who are in prison. Mm -hmm. You know, in New Zealand, we don't do as much as some countries for women in prison mm -hmm. with children. When I visited a Mexican prison uh, with the Drug Commission a few weeks ago, we found their full early childhood uh, schooling centre because the women have their children there with them till they're five or six so they mm -hmm. can bond with their children. We're not that good to women who are going to prison for quite minor offences mm. and don't see their children. And I suppose just another thing, finally, mm. that prompts the um, kind of issue around the intergenerational um, poverty, um, criminality, mm. but so too drug dependency, mm. right? Yes, there's a constellation of issues. And talking with women at Arahata Prison today, one woman gave testimony about being born into a gang family and that she never saw a way out. She said the teacher would say, are you okay? She said, I can't pimp on my parents. You know, mm. So there's, a, there's been a kind of cycle that no service was able to penetrate. That's what we have to reflect on. Mm. Thank you very much. Kia ora whanau. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Green Tea. Make sure that you check out other 
brilliant, awesome, fun, cool conversations and other episodes with other amazing, wonderful guests. Uh, my goal in life this term of parliament, who knows, uh, is to beat the Minister for Climate Change, the Honourable James Shaw, who also happens to be my co-leader, who is currently escalating up the uh, podcast charts in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And I feel like it's time to knock him off his pedestal. So please, like, subscribe, all of those things. This has been authorised by Chloe Swarbrick, uh, Parliament Buildings.